Amen. In September of last year, down in Rockville, Maryland here, there was a lottery ticket purchased for $1 or whatever amount, and it won $10 million. The thing is, as of this week, it has not yet been claimed. I'm not encouraging you to go out and start gambling, but imagine going home today and saying, oh, I remember back in September I bought that and discovering you had won $10 million. That would be good news. That'd be good news for you. You'd probably share it with some people, maybe not everyone, but when you have good news, you will naturally share it with other people. Today we're beginning a series called the gospel, seeing life through the gospel. And the word gospel means good news. And there are two things that we're going to revisit again and again throughout the series. One is, as you see on the picture, uh, these four movements of the gospel, creation, fall, rescue, and restoration. And so each week we're going to tackle one of those spaces. Today will be creation, created for good, and I'll get there in a minute. And also we're going to come back to this verse, Romans 1.16. And in Romans 1.16 it states, For I am not ashamed of the gospel or the good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. There's a few questions that this verse raises, and many of you are probably familiar with this verse if you've been a Christian for a while. And the first question it raises is, why would I be ashamed of the gospel? Why would I be ashamed of the gospel? Because Paul is saying, for I am not ashamed, but for some reason there must have been other people in the mix that were ashamed of the gospel. And there's two reasons that come to mind in our current cultural context for why somebody who says they are a follower of Jesus, a Christian, would be ashamed of the gospel. One is the changing cultural landscape. And often Christians are labeled in pretty negative terms. Some is because they've earned that. Um, others is because the culture has said Christianity is things that it potentially isn't. So you'll hear things in our culture like Christianity is bigoted. It's closed-minded. It's about taking away your fun, excitement, and freedom. And so there's much negativism that's often connected with Christians. So as a, as a Christian, you could become ashamed of the gospel because of the cultural pressure around you. I think another reason why people are ashamed of the gospel who call themselves Christians is they don't really know the gospel. That they think they know the gospel, and I'm not dropping any accusations, because if you truly knew the gospel and you truly knew the good news, there's nothing to be ashamed of. And it's exciting. It's good news that you would want to share with other people. Another question that comes to mind is, what is the gospel? Because if we aren't ashamed of the good news, what is this good news? And that's what we're going to talk about over these next few weeks. Creation, fall, rescue, restoration. 92 times in the New Testament, the Greek word evangelon is used where we get the word good news and gospel from. Again and again in scripture, as you read all these verses that talk about good news and the gospel, you get the sense of anticipation, excitement, energy of around what is being said, what is being done, and how it can transform your life and the world around you. 
Think about in your own life, times that you have experienced good news. When you get good news, you are going to naturally share it with other people who you care about. If you have a doctor's appointment and you get new, good news that some got this last week that I know of, you're going to naturally share that with other people, that good news. If you graduate from high school, normally you'll throw a party because that's good news. If you graduate from college, throw a party, good news. If you have a child, if you get a promotion, if you buy a new house, if you have any of these things happen, when good news comes, you will naturally be an evangelist. You will share that good news. You will share that gospel with those around you. When I encountered Jesus in my early 20s, it transformed my life. It was good news. And I could not help sharing it with those around me. I didn't feel like I had to share it. I wanted to share it. And when I think about my life, I went from a directionless, dead-end living to pursuing a greater purpose, a greater meaning, a greater direction. And as I've walked with Jesus the last 25 years, good news keeps coming. It's not just the original good news, but God is still transforming me. And as he transforms me, as he continues to work in my life, I want to share that with others, the good news of Jesus, the good news that even in the midst of a twisted, broken, messed up world, there's good news. A third question that this verse brings to mind for me is, what is the power of the gospel? This word power in here relates to where we get the word dynamite from. And in the New Testament, that word is used 120 times. Many of those usages point to the reality of healing power, Powering over demonic forces, the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the kingdom. And the, the gospel has power. The gospel has supernatural power, not just for the future, but for our present everyday lives. And it specifically says that it has the power for salvation. The church tradition that I grew up in talked a lot about salvation, but often when we talked about salvation, it was connected with the afterlife. That it was something that we were looking forward to. And yes, Jesus saved me now, but there's this gap between being saved and when I'm really completely saved. Instead of saying, here and now God has saved us and he's continuing to save us from things here and now. When we look at the definition of salvation from the Lexham Theological Word Book, it says salvation is the rescue from a state of danger and restoration to wholeness and prosperity. The Bible, in the Bible, people are saved from foreign nations, from enemies, from the penalty of sin. I'd add from hell. Salvation also entail, entails health, wholeness, and victory. Many of the things about salvation are about here. And not just about there. And salvation is not just about the afterlife. It is about all of life. That salvation should affect your day-to-day -day existence and how you live out your life. The gospel transforms not just for the future, but for the here and now.
My hope and prayer is as we dig into the gospel, that it would transform you in such a way that your whole life would be seen through the lens of the gospel. And my hope is that whenever you're in situations, when you're faced with challenging uh, decisions, that a question that would come to mind would be, how do I apply the gospel to this? Or if we take it back a while, what would Jesus do? That's part of the gospel. And over the next few, few weeks, we're going to cover these four areas. Creation, fall, rescue, restoration. And it's based off um, a couple things. I've kind of hybrided two things together here. And one of the things, as we look at these four circles, uh, these four circles were designed by James Chung and his booklet titled, Based on a True Story. And I'm hoping that you take away this tool as a framework for your own life or if you have an opportunity to share the gospel with somebody else. And the four movements of the gospel can be framed in this way. Creation, designed for good. The fall, damaged by evil. Rescue, reclaimed for better. And restoration, sent to heal. I want you to get this in your mind Creation designed for good, the fall damaged by evil, rescue reclaimed for better, and restoration sent to heal. And today, for the rest of our time here, we're going to talk about designed for good. If you go back to the book of Genesis, chapter 1, seven times in the first book of the Bible, the word good, or the Hebrew word tov, is used. Let me read the verses to you. God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness, Genesis 1.14. If you want to say the word good with me, feel free to chime on in too. God called the dry ground land and gathered waters. He called seas and God saw that it was good, Genesis 1.10. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seeds according to their kinds and trees bearing fruit with seeds in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good, Genesis 1.12. To govern the day and the night and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good, Genesis 1.18. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the water teems and the moves about in it according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good, Genesis 1.21. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds, and God saw that it was good. Genesis 1.25. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day, Genesis 1.31. Are you getting the idea of God and what he is creating, that it is good, that he created everything for good from his goodness. There's only one verse in the first two chapters that says that there's something that is not good, and that is Genesis 2.18, and it says, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And in this verse, we actually see God's goodness in creating us for community. That we are not 
designed to be isolated and alone. And it, it is not good to be isolated. It is not good to be outside community. It is actually very good to be in community. But this all points back to God's creation of everything for good. So I want you to take a moment and think about in your own life the goodness you have experienced. And I want you to ask yourself this question. Where have I experienced good? Where have I experienced good? Because every experience of good points back to a good creator God who created and designed this world and you and I for good. I know it can be hard to think about good. Just turn on the news right now. And we can look around and see everything that's been damaged by evil. And we'll save that for next week. But I want you to pause and just think about the good that you have experienced in your life. And as you're thinking about that, I'm going to help prime the pump and give you some more questions. And I hope, as always with this, that we don't walk out of here and just leave the conversation here, but that we carry it into other areas of our life. And so the first question I want you to think about with goodness is, who are the good people in my life? Who are the good people in my life? Who are the people when you see them, you are happy to see them, you're joy-filled, you give each other hugs, you know, and vice versa. Who are the people that are happy to see you? That when you show up, there's a sense of like, man, I'm just so glad to be with this person. It'd be that kind of person that you'd invite on vacation with you, not out of obligation, but that you really want a vacation with. For some, this is family. Others, this is coworkers or friends. For me, when I think about the good people in my life, right away, I think of my wife, Nami. She is good, and she has brought so much good in my life. I think about my four kids. They have brought so much goodness into my life as he shakes his head that his picture is up there. I think about my church family. And you are a good, good family, and you have brought so much good to my life. I, I've seen so much goodness come out of this church family. I think about people who are mentors in my life and the good that they have brought. And there's all these good relationships that hopefully you have in your life. So I ask you again, when you think, who are the good people in your life? And let's see God's goodness through the people. Another question is, what are the good and beautiful memories you hold? As you think about your life, what are the good and beautiful memories that your mind goes to? For me, here are a few memories that come to mind. And I won't go into the stories because every memory has countless stories behind it. But I think of my family growing up. I had a good family growing up. I think of road trips, summers spent at camp, 
my dad teaching me how to drive. I think about hunting, fishing, skateboarding, holidays with relatives, memories with friends. I think about my encounter with Jesus at 20 years old and how that transformed my life. I think of the many mission experiences I've gone on around the world. I think about living in England and living in Korea. I think about my wedding day, the birth of my four children, graduations, birthdays, holidays, And when I begin to scroll through my more than 30,000 pictures in my digital photo library, I see that I have had a really good life. If you haven't pulled out those photo albums, if you haven't taken that scroll, every time I do, it reminds me of all the goodness that God has brought to me. And those memories you have, those good experiences, point back to the goodness of God. It's like that movie, Inside Out, and those core memories that come rolling down as memories are formed. And I had a conversation with my daughter the other day, and she was going like, that wasn't the best memory there, but, but there's some good core memories in her childhood. But we all have those memories in our lives that are good. Here's another question. Where are the beautiful places, the good and beautiful places that you think about? I know as I look around, I know some of your good and beautiful places from Disney World to in a kayak to traveling the world to experiencing all the beauty of creation. I've experienced God's goodness from the Swiss Alps to The shores of Lake Michigan, from the Grand Canyon to the Dead Sea, from the Appalachian Mountains to to the Atlantic Ocean. I've seen God's goodness in creation, and I love this beautiful blue planet that God has put us all on and spun into existence. And I can see his goodness in the diversity of mountains and valleys and forests and deserts and oceans and rivers. And as the sun rises and as the sun sets and as the rain and snow falls, I see the goodness of God through all of creation. And good and beautiful places aren't only about location, they are also about who is present with you in those locations. And I can tell you that when God is present in a location, there's the goodness of God that you will experience there. I've experienced God along the shores of Lake Michigan. I've experienced God in a little prayer cottage I used to go to. I experienced God as I hung out on the south coast of England in a little 18th century church for a week. I've experienced God in so many different places. And it's always not the big places or where you travel to. Sometimes it's that chair in your house. that you go, that is a holy location. Or that, that, that seat at a coffee shop. Or driving down 270. Or some other location. But where are the good and beautiful places in your life? Because every good and beautiful place points back to a good God who has created us for good. And there's so much goodness I could talk about. I could talk about the goodness of animals. And if there's any pet lovers in there, there's something holy about living with animals. 
I don't know how to put it any other way, but it's very interesting to think, like, who would have thought that up except God? Or you think about even farmers, bird watchers, even hunters can see the goodness of God in animals. I can see the goodness of God in suffering and struggle and loss and death. And God, how, some, how working together things for his good, even through difficult situations. And the cross is the ultimate picture of how God can bring something good out of a tragic and what seemed like a meaningless situation. I've seen God's goodness in food. God has created taste buds. Sometimes I change the song, Jesus Loves Me, to Jesus Loves Me, This I Know, for the food told me so. In all the diversity and beauty of food that we can experience with over 300 plus ethnic restaurants in this county is a beautiful thing. You see the goodness of God in creativity and art that God has given humanity the ability to to co-create with him and create beauty through canvas, clay, sculptures, clothing, architecture, houses, building communities, cars, motorcycles, trucks, and trains. God has given us this amazing ability to create. And it's good. Or we could talk about the goodness of sex. That sex was created by God for good within his parameters of heterosexual marriage. And it should be a good thing between a loving married couple. Or I could talk about the goodness of the church. That God designed the church for good and to be a force for good in this world. And that when the church misses its calling, it, it is not good. But when we fulfill our, our calling as a church, we can be an incredible source of good. There's so much good for you to see. Let's see the good that is all around us. And there's another part of good that I haven't talked about yet. where we are meant to experience the goodness of God in a whole different level and depth that penetrates to our very soul. And when we experience the goodness of God on that deeper level in that area, it will forever change the way you view life and your existence. And what might I be talking about here? I'm talking about you. That God has created you as good. Before the fall, we'll get into that the next week, damaged by evil. But God's ultimate intention with creating you is good. You are not an accident, you are not a mistake. God has created you for good. The God who spun the galaxy into existence created the diversity of plant and animal life, decided that the pinnacle of all creation would be a being created in his image to bear his worth, 
to be a force for good in this world. You are created for good. That is God's original intent for you. When he looks at you, he says, I see good because you are created in my image. So I bring you back to this question, where have I experienced good? I hope this morning as I've talked, you're going, oh my goodness, there is lots of good I have experienced because there's so much good in the world. And where have you personally experienced it? And as we see life through the lens of the gospel, we first need to see that ultimately God's intention is for good. And in the midst of this messed up world, let's begin to see life through a gospel lens. And yes, let's see that God has created, designed everything for good. And as we move through these gospel movements, yes, let's recognize the fall that we have been damaged by evil. Let's also recognize that Jesus came to rescue us and reclaim people for better. And once we are rescued, he wants us to be people who bring restoration here, healing here and now, but also looking towards a future restoration. In scripture, it never says that we are going back to the garden. It says that we are progressing towards a renewed, restored city, a restored kingdom that is created all good. And as we experience God's goodness in that, we as a church, as a people of God, living out the purposes of God, can bring his goodness in the world around us. Will we see it all happen here? No. But for now, we work towards that good. Friends, if you have never said yes to Jesus, saying yes to Jesus is opening yourself up and saying, God, I am broken and I have been damaged by evil and I recognize your goodness and I receive your goodness into my life. I need your rescue. And I receive your rescue, Jesus, that you came, died for me, a broken, messed up person, and I receive that. And God, I need to be reclaimed for better. And I want to be launched on your mission to bring healing and restoration. And God loves to answer prayers like that as you invite his transformation into your life. And if you say yes to Jesus this morning, I would love to talk to you or you can indicate it on a connect card and I'd love to follow up with you and just encourage you and help you understand more of what that means to live it out. Friends, let's remember God's creation for good today. Let's remember his creation for good. Back in 1992, on May 28th, during the siege of Sarajevo, a gentleman named Greg Lewis Taylor writes this. A guy named Vedran Smolik, and I'm probably pronouncing his name wrong, pulled out his, or his cello. He's now known as the cellist of Sarajevo. And he pulled out his cello, dressed up in formal black tails, 
and carried his cello into a bomb crater that was once the National Library of Sarajevo. He balanced a charred folding chair on the debris and sat down in the rubble to play a melody amid the ruin. As the crater chambered his music, the rich sounds from his cello resonated down the streets to a bakery in Smolovic's neighborhood where 22 people had been killed by an exploding shell the day before while waiting in line for their daily bread. The story goes on that in response to the carnage he witnessed and the grief he carried, Smolovic spent the next 22 days, one for each man, woman, and child killed at his neighborhood bakery, confronting the worst humanity could do to each other by playing his cello in graveyards, bombed out buildings, and at funerals using the only weapon he was willing to carry, a cello and the beauty he created from it. He played in the open and kept playing in direct defiance of snipers who had him in the crosshairs of their scopes. When a news reporter asked him if it might be just a little bit crazy to play in a war zone, (laughs) the crazy cellist questioned back, why do you not ask if they are crazy for bombing Sarajevo? Somehow, This one cellist found in the midst of destruction a glimmer of hope and good. And when we think about the world around us, as we sit in the crater of the reality of what's going on in the world, we look to a good God who has created us for good. And we are designed for good And we are meant to go live out that good in the world around us. Father God, I pray that you would remind us that the goodness of God is not just an idea we talk about, but a truth that we are meant to live. And God, as I think about the world around us, people are in need of understanding that the world is not only broken, but God, there's still good. And you are working good even in the midst of difficulties. And I pray, Father God, that you'd restore our faith in you, restore our hope in your goodness. And God, even when we experience difficulty, suffering, and struggle, that we'd remember that you are a good God working out your good plan for good. So Jesus, we hold on to that, and we hold on to the good news of the gospel. In Jesus' name.